And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com, where we cover Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. Stories you won't find anywhere else. In fact, Linda Stein, I see that your coverage of the fight between parents trying to uh, have input into the pro- materials that are put in our public schools and the educators who hate them continues to get spread far and wide. Yes. Um, actually, um, Doug Mastriano, who's running for governor, uh, put it into his video ad. <laughs> it's always weird to look up on TV and see your stuff in a campaign ad, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is weird, (laughs) but it is one of the many hot topics that we are covering in ways that other parts of the media aren't. So please visit DelawareValleyJournal.com every day. Sign up for our twice a week newsletter while you are there. And of course, we're also covering the local congressional districts in our corner of the state of Pennsylvania Uh, running in the fourth congressional district uh, against uh, incumbent Madeline Dean is Christian Nascimento. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I thought it was interesting. Um, I saw a news report that Madeline Dean was up in New Hampshire campaigning for somebody. I wonder how many, what kind of big crowds do you draw in New Hampshire? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why she's uh, not spending all of her time in the district where people are struggling with real, uh, real issues. But so, um, you know, so when you go around, so when you go around the district uh, campaigning, what are the issues people bring up to you unsolicited? I mean, first and foremost is the economy, right? I think that everybody is suffering in this economy. Uh, unless you've got a million dollars sitting in cash in the bank somewhere, mm-hmm. um, everybody is struggling. Uh, groceries cost more if you can find them. You know, we still have a baby uh, formula shortage. Uh, we, uh, I, someone sent me a picture of a, of a grocery store in Montgomery County that had a, a distilled water uh, shortage. I mean, we can't even get water and formula to, to people. Uh, gas prices are ticking back up as we knew they would um, after they were artificially pressed down over the summer. Uh, interest rates are high, which means buying a house, getting a credit card, getting kind of loan is costing more. Uh, and so the, co- the economy is really in a, in a precarious spot because of the decisions and the, the massive government spending and a government overreach is coming out of Washington, D.C. So, Christian, uh, you also have a TV commercial, right? Your first commercial that says you are a moderate Republican. Why should voters pick a moderate Republican over um, a left-wing Democrat? You know, Lynn, I think the, the answer I have to everybody is when you vote for the same thing over and over again, you get the same results. And I think what we have seen, it demonstrably far-left policies are not working. You know, the economy is in the state that it's in, for a number of different reasons, not the least of which is this massive government spending and the stimulus checks that have driven driven inflation up. I think that the uh, far left policies around public safety and crime are coming home to roost for all of us. I mean, you don't have to go very far go to Philadelphia and see you know record murders. And there's no wall between Montgomery County and Berks County and Philadelphia, right? The, the, the tragic shooting at Roxborough High School literally happened five miles away from the high school that I went to uh, growing up in Montgomery County. And so that crime is bleeding into the suburbs. We've seen uh, attempted carjackings in Willow Grove. We've seen a, uh, you know, a, a carjacking come out of Roxborough in, and hit a police officer in, in White Marsh. Uh, it's just a combination of, of these far left policies around economics and public safety that have, um, that have kind of come to a head and are making life more challenging for everyday Americans. 
And, uh, you know, she, Madeline Dean votes with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden 100% of the time. And so she owns all of this, as they all do. So one of the issues that uh, Congresswoman Dean highlights in her campaign is her support for uh, clean energy, new green technology. Obviously, she supported the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that includes about half a trillion dollars in subsidies to get people to uh, buy uh, more green tech, EVs, et cetera. Uh, how do voters in Pennsylvania respond on that issue? So first of all, I can't with a straight face call it the Inflation Reduction Act because adding massive government spending on top of what we've already spent is going to drive inflation up. You know, that said, you know, when I talk to voters about, about energy, and I am a proponent of, of alternative forms of energy, of green energy, I just don't think we need to demonize fossil fuels while we do it. And so when I talk to voters about it, I think voters are interested in EVs. I think they're interested in new technologies, but they don't want to bankrupt you know, today's grocery list to do that. Uh, they want to have a thoughtful, strategic way to get there. And I think what, uh, what the administration has done with, uh, with a blank check uh, Congress is just kind of pushed, uh, pushed massive spending out. It's picking winners and losers, losers just like it did with the, uh, the student loan debacle. Uh, and I think it's, it's going to make transitioning to alternative fuels even more challenging. Well, let me interrupt. I know Linda wants to jump in, but I just got, you mentioned the uh, uh, Biden's plan to give a one-time uh, bailout of ten to twenty thousand dollars, depending on who the person is for college debt. Uh, are voters bringing that issue up, and uh, how do they feel about it? Yeah, they 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 hate it. Um, so I think that if when <laughs> Could I, you be more direct, Christian. I mean, get off the fence. I mean, how do they feel about I, it, really? When I talk to small business owners, and I talk to them all the time because they're the ones that are really suffering. When I talk to plumbers and carpenters, you know, if they didn't go, if they went to college, they paid for it themselves. Or if they didn't go to college, they don't want to take on the burden of somebody that went off and and took an obligation. Right? We're 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 doing away with personal responsibility. We're basically saying, borrow whatever you want. We're going to forgive it anyway. Uh, you know, you now see that the Department of Education is dialing back who's eligible because they're just trying to avoid a legal challenge to it. Um, it's not because of any other reason. And yeah, Madeline Dean is on a record of wanting $50,000 of student loan forgiveness right. to everybody. It's not student loan forgiveness. It's just transferring debt from one person to somebody else. Transferring so what would debt that from cost? somebody that took the debt on. What would that cost well, taxpayers if they had to pick up that tab for fifty thousand a piece? The number I saw was like one point nine trillion or something like that. One point nine trillion. If you think about the current plan, which is ten to twenty thousand dollars of relief to certain folks, you know we've seen estimates from anywhere from uh, five hundred billion to nine hundred billion dollars, depending mm -hmm. on how it all plays out. So. That's called that twenty thousand dollars. It's two and a half but, times that. But you know the 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 political hack in me, uh, Christian says, "Hey, it's a very affluent district with a lot of college grads. They would love to have some free gimme gimme money. And if if uh, the Democrats are smart enough to give those young, wealthy, white suburbanite college pukes with their degrees in erotic Persian literature free money, why shouldn't they take it and go vote Democrat?" Well, I think that it's. The story that we have to tell and the story that we're telling when we talk to folks is this is just one component of a, of a larger economic issue. Um, you know, this may help some people, but it's going to impact everybody. And in fact, you're not going to get, you know, even if you get ten or twenty thousand dollars of student loan forgiveness, quote unquote, you're still going to be paying higher taxes because that money has to be replaced by one of three ways. Right. Either further borrowing, uh, cutting government spending, which we're not going to do clearly with this administration in Congress or higher taxes. And so, you know, my guess is that if you 
if, if you get $10,000 worth of quote unquote student loan reduction, you're going to pay a few thousand dollars in taxes over the next few years. I'm not even sure there's a real benefit okay. there. Linda, well, I swear, I swear, Linda. IRS agents, right? I'm sorry, That's Linda, where they I, come I, in. I'm, I'm going to let you in, Linda, but I'm sorry, I guess what, see, I don't, I don't understand this conversation. I'll be honest with you, Christian, and I've had it with a, a lot of, uh, of people who oppose the student debt uh, bailout. Oh, you just did the math. I don't think people care about the math. I think it's it's just stinking unfair. It's a lousy right. ripoff of people who didn't do anything. Some guy goes and learns how to become a pipe fitter, and then he gets a bill in the mail because your kid wanted to go to college and study gender studies. How is that? It's it's uh, so completely and utterly unfair to say to somebody, well, because a political party likes you, we're going to make everybody else just pay your bills for you. If you flip this around, it'd be like Republicans saying, okay, pickup trucks everyone who's got a ford f-150 here's five grand because we like country music and pick it's a total unfair screw job ripoff isn't it it is it is unfair and here's the kicker this won't do anything to make college more affordable for people because colleges and universities know that 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 tuition money that they get from kids is guaranteed through the government and so all this does is reinforce the fact that they can charge whatever they want and you know, the government's gonna pay for it at the end of the day. So not only is it unfair to folks that either paid off their loans, didn't have loans, it also doesn't affect the real issue, which is you know, for folks that wanna choose college and university as an option, uh, it, it's not, not gonna make that any more cost-effective for them. In the okay, Linda, I'm done. I'm done ranting now. It's all yours, Linda Stein, I apologize. It's my turn to rant. Huh? <laughs> well, one thing that people don't like about uh, Congress and Washington, D.C. is that Congress people are elected and then they seem to stay there for like 30 and 40 years until they die. Um, are you for term limits? I am. You know, I actually uh, signed the term limit pledge, which uh, where I committed to not only voting for legislation that put term limits in place, but also um, I said that I would, if I was lucky enough to get elected, I would co-sponsor that bill. And that bill, as it's written today, supports maximum of two terms in the Senate and three terms in the House, uh, which I think is incredibly appropriate. You know, we only let presidents serve for for maximum of two terms. Uh, I think that letting somebody get into office and stay there for decades just breathes corruption or the opportunity for corruption. So. I've personally said that, you know, if I'm lucky enough to win, you know, two terms would be the max for me. That's because I have four kids I got to put through college. Um, <laughs> but I, I think term limits would be an incredibly valuable thing for this country. Well, the other thing uh, on the heels of that, Christian, is uh, would you be in favor of strengthening the Stock Act? Uh, we had a local congresswoman who violated it, but there's right. only like a slap on your wrist if, if you're caught, uh, you know, uh, in, basically insider trading in stocks or your spouse or et cetera. Um, what would you do about that? Yeah, 100% in support of that. I think that the whole idea behind serving uh serving the public and in, in the Congress or the Senate is to go to Washington, serve the people, come home and get back to your life and your career. Uh, I, I don't think that our, our Congress men and women and our senators should be finding, learning information um, in, in hearings and then going off and uh, purchasing stock based on that insider information that they have. And so I think that is something that we really do need to stress. Again, stre uh, strengthen, again, that would start to, to return some of the, uh, the trust that, that the American people, I think, have lost in, in institutions and in, uh, in Congress and Washington, D. in particular. And one other issue that has been um, 
circulating in this election is education. Um, mm -hmm. People are not happy with some of the curriculum, the um, CRT and um, various obscene books in school libraries. Um, you're a former school board president. Uh, what would you, what is your education policy? What can you tell parents about making things more transparent? Yeah, I think a couple things. One, um, transparency is key, right? I, I think this whole idea of, you know, the, the teachers union and the educational system knows better than parents. Parents should just give their kids over is ridiculous. I think that the public education system works best when, when teachers and parents are partners in this. And that means being transparent about what their kids are learning. In the environment that we're in today, where we have demonstrated year of loss of learning and reading and math based on, on the failed COVID response policies, you know, we ought to be spending every second that we have those children in school focused on reading, writing, and arithmetic. Because if we want to maintain this as the greatest economy in the world and, and this country as a leading light on this planet, we have to make sure that our children are prepared to kind of take that mantle up. And when we've lost a year of education, anything else that we, we're teaching these kids other than math and reading and writing is, is a, a travesty. It's an abdication of our, of our responsibility to these kids. So I'm for transparency um, in what children are learning. Uh, I'm, I'm for making parents a, a real partner in this. And I'm not for spending any time outside of what the core basics that uh, schools should be teaching. Let the social... Um, let the social activities happen at home, let parents guide their kids to the right ethical decision and the right political and moral decisions. Uh, we need to trust parents to do that. Um, but let's give parents the, the voice in what their kids are learning. And, and I'm a big proponent of school choice. I think that, you know, the parents need to be able to figure out what's the right school atmosphere for their children and the money should follow the kids, not the systems. That does sound so sensible. It's a common um, sense approach. Changing gears a little bit, um, how about the, the issues with the supply chain and so many important things like pharmaceuticals coming from China? What should we do about that? So I've been pretty vocal about this, Linda, I think, as you know, um, you know, the big failure of globalization is that we've, as a, as a global community, we've outsourced the supply chain to China and some others, but mostly to China. And so what we've done now is we've given someone that's at best you know, an adversary or a frenemy, um, the opportunity to control the entire global supply chain. One, that takes jobs away from, from Americans here, right? And so we, could, we are hurting our own economy by doing that in, in, in the pursuit of, you know, quick short-term profits. But the other thing that it does is it gives the, the Chinese Communist Party an incredible amount of control over what happens across this globe. And if uh, we've seen disruptions uh, of supply chain just from COVID lockdowns, just imagine, imagine if she decided to just turn the supply chain off for a week or a month or a year. Uh, he could bring the entire country to its knees, the entire planet to its knees. And so, you know, I think the most important thing for us to do from an economic, moral, and national security standpoint is to bring as much of the supply chain back into the United States as possible. And every time I tell people that, they're like, well, that's really hard. I'm like, well, if it wasn't hard, it wouldn't be worth it, right? Just because something's hard doesn't mean we don't do it. But we ought to be building things in the United States. One, because it'll give everyday Americans the opportunity to get lifted into the middle class. And two, it just puts us on a better national security and economic standing uh, against some of our, some of our adversaries. Now, I so think you're okay we, with spending federal money to subsidize businesses that you think are so important that we need to keep them on short? 
I, I am not a big fan of government subsidy. I am, though, in support of government spending to make sure that we have the right industries in this country. So I, I would have voted for the the, the chips and um, wow. the chips act act because I think it's important to be building those types of uh, industries in the United States. Now the, the concern that I have is I'm not sure that Washington D.C. is smart enough, frankly, to be able to build the right types of chips. Right? I think they. <laughs> You know, I'm not sure that they're going to actually be able to effectively implement that act. Um, that's why I want to go to Congress so that I can help make sure that if we do have to spend government money bringing industries back in, we do it in a way that's going to be future looking and not reacting to what's happening right now. Okay, one last thing, and it is that thing that candidates hate, but that uh, people listen to the Delaware Valley Journal podcast for, that is pure brute force, blunt politics. Uh, Senator, uh, Representative Dean has, in the last report, about $1.2 million on hand. Uh, you, well, don't. <laughs> not, mm-hmm. to be, not to be mean about it, but yeah, uh, you've got l- less than $100,000. Uh, the district is rated as solidly democratically safe. And uh, the presidential result, Biden won this district by 24 points. So, Christian Nascimento, to those Republicans who want to see you win, what math do you offer them to show them a path towards victory? I think there's a couple of things. One, this was never going to be a race that we were going to be able to outspend her. Right? And she's an incumbent. She's got a financial advantage. We knew that going in. And so we were never planning on that. Uh, two... You know, the district with redistricting, the district has gotten more uh, more favorable to Republicans. It's still a Democratic-leaning district. We understand that. Um, but the gap between registered Republicans and registered Democrats uh, is, is eclipsed by the number of independents in the district. And so what we're doing is a pure grassroots campaign where we're going out, uh, we're knocking on doors, we're holding events, and we're trying to, we're trying to sway the people in the middle that I believe you know, are fed up with what's happening from an economic and public safety standpoint. Again, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting a different result. And so what I'm offering folks is an opportunity to vote for someone that will bring a different result, someone that would hold the Biden administration accountable and, and hold other members of Congress accountable too. So yeah, to those folks that, that want to see me win or are concerned about the numbers, my, my, my stance is, yeah, we were never going to outraise her, but we're going to outwork her. Well, we appreciate you being on the podcast with us. And of course, Congresswoman Dean is welcome on the podcast anytime as well. We have reached out to but yet to uh, get an affirmative response. But uh, Christian Nascimento, where can people find you on the interwebs? <laughs> uh, our website is uh, cn4pa.com. Uh, it's a number four, so cn4pa.com. Uh, and folks can, uh, can check out a little bit about my background, sign up to help out, um, and, uh, and learn more about the campaign. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.